Aronoff Center, tickets at 513-621-5282 or cballet.org. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week is every week. We're putting you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Do not forget, ladies and gentlemen, that the, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, in the greater Cincinnati area, that the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow night, and it is a very important meeting. We've got two great topics. The early meeting at six o'clock is about how to protect yourself in private lending and partnership deals. If someone approaches you about being a private lender or being a partner, we're going to talk about the things that should be in place to guarantee as much as possible that uh, you don't lose your investment and everything goes as planned. That's the early meeting at six o'clock. The main meeting at 730, though, is national expert Robin Thompson, aka the queen of rehab, who is back in Cincinnati. She's uh, one of the favorite speakers at Cincinnati RIA, and she's going to teach you how to rehab and resell properties in today's market. It's a great topic. She's also a great presenter. You'll have a lot of fun when you come out. It's guest night, which means that nobody pays to come to Cincinnati RIA tomorrow night. You can get more information about the meeting at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. Or you can just show up at the Community Action Agency building at the corner of Redding and Langdon Farm in Bond Hill. Not coincidentally, Robin Thompson is also my guest today. This gal has rehabbed more than 300 homes, ranging from $50,000 starter homes up to million-dollar-plus luxury properties in markets ranging from Connecticut to Florida. And she's joining us today to talk about the current market for retail properties and, of course, answer your questions as well at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Robin, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, Vina. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking really forward to coming to your town tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be a great evening out. We are, we are looking forward to it, too. We expect a sellout, uh, which is a funny thing to say since it doesn't cost anything. We expect a standing room only <laughs> group. Um, been running ads on the Inquirer and all kinds of stuff to tell people that you're coming. Um Today, I want to discuss a little bit more informally. I know you've got you've got a presentation that kind of walks them through the whole, you know, here's what you're looking for, and here's how you buy it, and here's how you sell it, and here's how you rehab it thing. But I, I want to talk today a little bit more informally about the current state of the retail 
property market because I think everybody's heard, you know, home sales are slow. It's hard to get financing to buy properties. Um, properties sit on the market for a long time. Uh, what have, what is your experience and what have you done in your own business to overcome this strange slow market we're in? Well, Lena, the first thing I want to make sure everybody understands, I think this is the best market we'll ever see in our lives. Uh, property values are much deeperly discounted by the banks now than I've ever seen in my 15-year career, which is good news for the buy side, so you can buy them much cheaper than you could a few years ago. Uh, you can still sell it, but you have to be savvy as far as an investor to buy the right property that the majority of the buyers want to call home. Uh, I can tell you, being I'm a much pickier right now than I've ever been with what I buy because I want to make sure the first-time buyer who wants to buy a home to live in will want the house that I'm purchasing. And I realize that is the buyer pool that is there right now. Uh, they have good credit. They have a little bit of money. They have a decent job. And so they are a little bit more fussy and picky about the properties they want to call home than they were a few years ago. And so I'm much more stringent with what I buy, and I'm going to cover tomorrow night and then again on the weekend class the nine types of houses not to invest in because they're tough sells. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be picky on the front end. You have to do a really good job of renovating them and making them really turnkey so there's nothing for a buyer to do. And then you need to be educated on the financing that is available in today's market. And so if you know those three factors well, it is a market to make more money in than anything we've ever seen in our investing career. Mm -hmm. So it just takes a little bit of training, a little bit of knowledge from people who've done several hundred, and then the sky's the limit. And and, And let's throw in, by the way, that there is a lot less competition out there than there used to be. It was, it was the case a few years back that pretty much any idiot who could pick up a paintbrush or, or, or they didn't even, they didn't even use paintbrushes. They used the spray guns, right? Um, could, could, you know, could, could, could buy a house in Cincinnati for $50,000, just pretty it up, you know, put in new carpet and paint it and not even do that great a job and sell it for a $30,000. Yeah, and, and exactly, and sell it for $30,000 without even handling some of the stuff like, I don't know, you know, replacing the 25-year-old furnace and, and so on. But no. that was then, and this is now. Those days are gone. <laughs> and, and as you said, the buyers are much more picky, and the people who did not get trained about how to do this right are out of business. Right, and here's the other thing. You know, if you do it right, and you really spend seven or $9,000 on the wow factors, and you do a great job with all the mechanicals. The good news is the interest rates are so low right now for a buyer to finance a really good property that's renovated to a T. They don't feel it in the mortgage payment. Um, you know, for every $1,000 I raise the price of my house, the payment's only going up $5 for the buyer, the end user. And so for me, it gives me the freedom to really do a great job for the buyer and so they can buy a quality property. And so those people who are the hackers, as you and I call them, their days are gone. And what's left is those of us who've done it with integrity, but there's few of us left in the marketplace, which opens up opportunities for other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. My guest today is Robin Thompson, also known as the Queen of Rehab. And she's here today in part to answer all those questions that you wanted to ask her when she came to your real estate association, but you were just afraid to approach her because she's so famous. You can give her a call. Give us a call now, though, at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email by going to askvina.com. 
Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859 292 7342. And we check now on traffic. Watch out for a car fire just reported on westbound Kyle's near 275. Uh, we still have accidents Edwards and Madison, uh, Elmore Court at Spring Grove, and on the right shoulder of West 275 near Mosteller. An accident and just in another accident now on South 75 at the Norwood Lateral. It's blocking the left two lanes. Again, that's South 75 at the lateral. Uh, backups include East 275 at 42, North 71 at Smith, and South 75 at the lateral, and again at the Brent Spence Bridge. Your forecast tonight clear. Cold, low of 25, tomorrow partly sunny with a high of 52, Friday a high of 58, Saturday a high of 58, but also some rain this weekend. Right now, 50 degrees right on the button here at 89.3 WMKV. We always appreciate your support for WMKV, and we hope you'll help us spread the word. Tell a friend today about WMKV FM 89.3 and our streaming audio available anywhere at WMKVFM.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Robin Thompson. And of course, of course, our topic is renovating and retailing real estate. In today's market, you can call in with questions about renovation, selling properties, buying the right ones, whatever you like at 772-9658 if you're in the greater Cincinnati area. Or if you are listening to us on the web, 877-772-9658. You can also send an email by going to askvina at gmail.com or askvina.com. If you go to the latter, you have the chance to get on our email list and get information each week about the upcoming program, along with interesting articles by and about our guests. We had an article uh, this week from Robin about how to control contractors, which is a Always a big issue with folks who are doing rehab of any sort. That's askvina.com for that information. Uh, now, Robin, it's um, we were, before the break, we were trying to impress upon people the fact that there are still buyers in the market. They, yep. are, they are mostly of, I mean, the biggest mass of them are of the first-time homebuyer variety because... Folks are folks are hesitant to buy that move up house right now when they're right. when they're afraid for their jobs, but also because the financing for the for the first time homebuyers is spectacular. It's like five percent oh, down, it's so attractive. <laughs> yeah, four four point eight seven five percent interest. I mean, it's gotten to the point where in most of the country, you can now buy for less than you can rent the same property, and that includes the taxes and insurance and maintenance and all that kind of stuff. So. A lot of a lot of folks are deciding, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer to go buy a house if I can find the one I like, right? Now, the other mm-hmm. question, though, has to do with financing for us, for the investors, because okay. if, if we're gonna if we're gonna buy a property and then spend a bunch of money fixing it up, that money's got to come from somewhere, and and where is that coming from for your students these days? Well, Vina, it's coming from the private investors that are out there. I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of folks who have money in reserves and IRAs and in savings and lines of credit who understand that real estate is on sale. And so they're willing to lend on properties, providing you buy them cheap 
and that you're not into them for more than 70 cents on the dollar. And so for me, when I purchase a home and I renovate a home, I never want to spend more than 70% of what it's worth fixed up. So if it's going to be worth $100,000 when it's all beautified, I don't want to spend more than 70000 to buy it and fix it. And so if I leave that 30% out there, it attracts money. It attracts a safe investment. And people are willing to lend for, you know, 8 or 9% on real estate like that because it's a great return and it's very safe. So the money's out there, and we'll spend some time when we're together tomorrow night with me explaining that in more detail than I can on the show of how to attract that capital and how to utilize that capital to fund your deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, again, this is this is a big change over, say, 2005, 2006. As a matter of fact, of all the strategies out there that have been turned on their ear, retailing is probably the one that has been most changed by the by the change in the markets. Um Five or six years ago, everyone was using hard money, or they were yeah, getting the very sub- expensive money. Yeah, well, it's expensive money, and it, frankly, today I don't know that many hard money lenders who are still in business. So it's it's well, actually- you know they're not. They got greedy, Vina, when the market started to turn, and you know they had their greed glands swollen out there when everything was booming, and they got their butts handed to them, so to speak. Which is again a perfect opportunity for us. I mean, people who have money in savings or in CDs are getting one percent interest. When they can earn 8% on real estate, it's a great opportunity for them. And so that's why there is a lot of money there for these discounted transactions. And it's much more profitable for us now because we don't have to go to the hard money lenders at 15% interest and five points. Mm-hmm. So our cost of capital right now is cheaper than it's ever been, mm-hmm. which is another opportunity why this market is so, so important to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. And... Um Let's talk a little bit more. Let's explore a little bit more this idea of your pickiness about the properties that you're buying. <laughs> because, I mean, frankly, you've always been kind of picky <laughs> about the yep. properties. That, I'm really picky now with what I buy. So, 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 what does what does the what does the perfect Robin Thompson house look like these days? All right. Well, the first thing I need to tell everybody: I'm looking at my exit before I enter, and everybody should write that phrase down. Look at your exit before you enter. I'm looking at selling before I buy. Most young couples today want at least a three-bedroom, two-bath, with a garage in a great school district. So gone are the days of the little 900-square-foot two-bedroom with no garage in a semi-war zone. Um, You used to be able to buy that stuff, fix it up, like you said, back in 2005 and 2006 and make profit on it. You can't today. The buyer of today has good credit and a good job with some money. So they want in the premium houses, and I call it they want champagne taste on a Budweiser budget. So <laughs> I understand that. And so I'm going to buy a house that's typically 14, 1,500 square feet where the master bedroom is very nice size, where it'll hold a king-size bed, a canopy, an armoire, and a nightstand. It's not going to be on a busy street. It's not going to be in a commercial sector. It's not going to have ugly neighbors. Um, and there's not going to be shoes over the light wires with a lot of drug activity. <laughs> it's going to be in a much better neighborhood. It's going to be spacious, typically have a formal dining room, and then I'm going to do new roof, new windows, new heating, new bathrooms. So it is in the top 5% of its class, mm-hmm. and it will sell quickly because it's better than everything else on its marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so you really want to make sure that the bones of the house meets 85% of the buyer's expectations. Mm-hmm. A four-bedroom is great as well. As a matter of fact, the bigger the better because the Internet is full in a bedroom from every home. And so I want to make sure that I'm giving them a spacious house 
in a great school district in a good neighborhood where they feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the the idea that that again we were all sort of living under five years ago that 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 certain things although they might not be ideal were, were stuff that we had to live with because uh, we were we were fighting with a billion other investors for every single family home that was on the market cheap um things like in cincinnati we and in a lot of midwestern cities we have a lot of houses that uh are what's called shotgun style which means that mm-hmm. basically you have to you have to walk through one of what is typically three bedrooms in order to get to the in order to get to another one that's sort of what we call functional obsolescence no longer acceptable i guess yeah. well and being that particular house is great for the landlords for cash flow but again we look at our exit before we enter the landlords are having a miserable time getting financing and so if they're struggling to get financing they can't buy it from us the renovator so you don't want to be in a strategy where the exit's going to be tough to find the buyer mm-hmm. and so that's why i'm staying away from those because the landlords are having trouble getting financed mm-hmm. so you don't want to play that game what is your what is your best way in this market of finding the the cheap single family home in the good neighborhood that m- meets your criteria well as you know, there's tons and tons of bank foreclosures out there. I deal with the REO realtors, and REO stands for real estate owned. I let those realtors know that I have cash to buy and that I have sources to close on properties. And so I ask them specifically for the areas I want, how many bedrooms and how many baths, and they feed me. And so that's called a pocket listing. And so I get the opportunity to buy those properties first, and I hand pick or cherry pick the best deal, and the rest gets put in there for the rest of the realtors to show people to. So that's the first thing. Bank foreclosures where you can cherry pick is one. If you ask me for the second strategy, what I can tell you, estate sales and out-of-state owners, as you know, and I've learned some of this from you as we've had time to talk, those are two of the most motivated categories of sellers right now. Again, it's out-of-state owners um, and estate sale where somebody passes away and leaves the house behind to the family. Those two categories are are motivated that they want to sell. And so I do direct mail to both of those categories to get them to call me with a house for sale. And you and I both know when a seller calls you, they've already waved their hand and said, hey, I need to get rid of this thing. It's better than us chasing properties. Mm-hmm. And so I do quite a bit of marketing to get the sellers to raise their hands and call me and let me know their desperation levels. And then I pick the one out of 10 that's got the biggest check in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you in any way changed the uh, sort of criteria for actually writing an offer on a property? I, I know that uh, you've got a couple of very, very successful students here in the Cincinnati area that I talk to quite a bit that have 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 done one thing, which is they have said, uh, instead of I'm likely to have three months worth of holding costs, they, they put in like six months worth of holding costs just to be safe. And of course, that lowers the offer they would make by, you know, maybe a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Is there is there anything else that has changed about that? Well, I can tell you, I mean, I, I am looking at holding being longer than it's been before. Um, so I'm putting in what's called oops, <laughs> uh, and it's typically five percent of what the house is worth fixed up. So if it's going to be a hundred thousand dollar house fixed up, I'm putting in an extra five thousand in miscellaneous right now to cover that extended time. I think the number one problem that most beginning investors, unseasoned investors have is they never anticipate an oops of any kind, nor do they plan for worst-case scenario. 
Uh, I think when you start doing that and you realize you can buy properties at a much deeper discount now because the media has done a great job of scaring everybody, um, you can take full advantage of getting that 5% discount from the seller's pricing or from the bank who has so many properties that they need to liquidate. Mm -hmm. And so it's just buying a little bit better with a little bit better negotiations up front to give you the leverage that you need in case you do have one that takes a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, And again, let's emphasize that's very doable. That that's not yeah. that, 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 oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's not it's something that's more doable now than it was in two thousand five and two thousand six, I can tell you that. Oh sure, absolutely. Um, and it also gives you the room to put a few nicer amenities in that nobody else is doing. So if you take that five percent and you do a, a better job in the bathroom or a better job in the kitchen, you've now got the only house that's got all the upgrades. So it sells quicker because you're in the top one to two percent of what's for sale. And so actually you make all the money back that you put in for all the upgrades and it's gone quicker if you do a better job of fixing it up and so that's really really important mm-hmm. um i see everybody do a vanilla house it's just plain it's just as good as everybody else's well i've got 18 months worth of inventory for sale in my town if i do an average job i'm guaranteed at least halfway there nine months of carrying costs and i don't want to carry anything for that long so i would rather be in the top one to two percent of what's for sale and it should go in a week or two, and then I'm in and out of the property with my profit tucked in my bank account and on to the next deal. Mm-hmm. Now That's, that's a- why being superior right now and being at the top of your game is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's an that's an interesting point you just brought up, Robin. Because I know that uh, I, I have followed your career from you know Waterbury, Connecticut to Orlando, Florida, and it, whichever market you were in, the type of house that you focused on. Now I know you also have done some luxury homes, but the type of the type of property that you focused on and told other people to focus on is the one that's kind of at or below the median house price for the area. Um, and in, in, in Connecticut, that was a much different number than it was in Orlando. Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, the number the numbers move around a little bit. You know, in, in Cincinnati, that may, might be a hundred twenty thousand dollar house. In Boston, it might be a two hundred thousand dollar house. You know, just just to uh, sort of give people some um, uh, frame of reference there. But uh, the 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 question is, in that kind of property, what kinds of little oomph things can you do without going overboard? And actually, I'm going to need you to answer that question after we take a quick break. I also want to invite anybody who is uh, listening to us and has a question to send it via askvina.com or to call us at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Support comes from the Ohio Heart and Vascular Center, dedicated to helping heart failure patients better manage their condition to live longer, more fulfilling lives. Their comprehensive heart failure program includes physicians and nurses with expertise in procedures and treatment options for patients with all stages of heart failure. More information is available by calling 513-206-1180. And we check on traffic right now. We just got an accident reported on eastbound 275 at the Combs-Hale Bridge. That's the bridge near Coney Island. East 275 on the bridge. The left lane is blocked. Also an accident still on South 75 at the Norwood Lateral blocking two lanes, two left lanes. So stay to the right. You've got some backups there this afternoon. West 275, west of Mosteller, we still have an accident on the right shoulder. And uh, still have a car fire causing some problems westbound Kyle's near 75 in Kentucky. Among the backups, East 275, a little heavier than usual, Montgomery to Ward's Corner. 
Your forecast tonight, clear but colder, a low of 25. Tomorrow, partly cloudy with a high of 52. Friday, a high of uh, 58. Saturday, a high of 58, but also some rain. And then Sunday, back to reality with a high around 45 degrees. Right now, we're right at 50 here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Robin Thompson, who is also the featured speaker at the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meeting tomorrow night at the Community Action Agency at Reading and Langdon Farm. Uh, Robin's also going to be back on March the 12th to do an all-day seminar for Cincinnati RIA. Again, more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. Uh, Robin, before the break, we were talking about, you, you had said you want your property to be just, you know, a little bit better. Than, you don't want to get right. all crazy, but you, you, you want somebody to walk in to the property that you've just finished rehabbing and say, oh my gosh, this is the best thing we've seen. I want it now. What kind of thing, right. what kind of thing makes those rehabs not vanilla? Well, the thing of it is, Zena, if somebody does a mediocre job, that's going to make it take a long time to sell. For me, what I do is I put in wilds, and I come up with a $7,000 extra budget to put in things that I think is going to appeal to the lady of the house. Because, guys, don't take offense to this, the woman of the house is 65% of the buying decision. And so she is concerned about her kitchen and her bathroom. And so for me, I'm going to do a much better job of cabinetry, a nicer countertop, a deep double bowl sink, and a gooseneck faucet, even in a $70,000 home, Vina. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit better carpet than the average rehabber so that when they step down on that six-pound pad, they sink in and feel quality. I do a better job of paint, mini blinds in all my windows, and then obviously the bathroom gets a jacuzzi whirlpool tub, very nice ceramic tile, not the plain old white ones, and uh, a nicer vanity. And so all in all, when you add that up, nicer front door as well, those upgrades cost about 7000 more than what the average rehabber does. But see, for me, Vina, I'm going to sell for a little bit more than the average rehabber can get because those interest rates are so low. And so the payment on my gorgeous little house is only $35 a month more than the plain old rehabber's house. And the buyer's glad to do it because it's still less than what they're paying for rent. Mm-hmm. And they get quality all the way. And they know there's going to be nothing to do. And that's the key. In order to sell in this marketplace, the buyer of today is lazy. They don't want to do a thing. And so I understand it needs to be wheel the luggage in, and that's all they want to do. And I'm not going to leave them any little things that they have to repair on the way in the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's the key to the success, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, death to the sale of your of your starter home is when the buyer walks in and goes, well, I don't really like these cabinets, but I guess we could fix them later. <laughs> They're not going to do anything later. They're not going to have the money. Most of the buyers, I mean, as you know, I mean, we both deal with the same clientele. Most of the buyers take everything they have in savings, and that's what it takes for the down payment. And they're broke when they buy. So they aren't going to have four or $5,000 to do a kitchen or $3,500 to do a new bathroom. So that's why the rehabber has to do it up front. And you want to make sure that the financing, the FHA financing, goes off without a hitch. There's another reason to do everything right is so you make sure that their financing closes in today's marketplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, uh, Vina, truthfully, you understand, as long as we plan for those expenditures in our buying formula up front, 
we still guarantee the profit we're looking for. We just sharpen the pencil on the negotiation on the purchase. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah. If you, if you, if there's something, if there's something else that you want to do, don't decide that after you've bought the property. Oh no, because that blows the rehab budget completely. And then if you decide to do the kitchen and you hadn't planned for it, that's that oops that most people don't plan for that we kind of talked about. Uh-huh. And so for me, I'm very crystal clear with what I want to do from the minute I start negotiating on the house. And if the numbers end up not working out, I just say no and move on to the next deal. Mm-hmm. I, I watch- never get emotional about the property. Right, right. I watch. I watch some of my wholesale buyers, and and um, you know the, the the ones who the ones who have like been trained by you. They pretty much they walk through the house and they go, "I know I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because I always do X, Y, and Z, <laughs> and I know it's going to cost me this because I've already negotiated those those prices." But then you get the ones who you know you, you say, "All right, here's what you would need to do to make this house retailable," and they agree with it and they buy the property. And then they then you talk to them you know, a few weeks later and you say, "Well, how's that rehab going?" "Oh, it's over budget." "Well, what happened?" "Well, after I bought it, I decided that what I really wanted to do was I wanted to put in a ventless fireplace, but there was no place to put it. So then I ended up, you know, it's like they're making. Then I bought cherry cabinets and granite countertops for an eighty thousand dollars house, but they don't do the good quality carpet. Exactly, because because I because I figured out I figured that that would make it sell faster, and uh, you're, you're like, okay, it would have to it would have to it would have to sell. You'd have to like get a time machine and have it sell two years ago to make up that money because it just it is not going right. to happen. Um, couple of well, or you see them spend money on cherry cabinets and not on the heating system that's like a hundred years old. Exactly, buyer's going to want that when it, in oh. the middle of winter in Cincinnati. Don't, it doesn't work. Don't 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 get me started on the guy who drywalled the entire inside of a hundred and ten year old house in a historic area because it had cracks in the wall. And therefore, couldn't put in the the new windows and replace the leaky, nasty windows. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, understanding understanding what folks are, what what your buyers are going to be looking for, and what's important, and what's really not important, like cracks in the walls of a hundred year old house, uh, is is a big part of this. Now, we've got a couple of questions that have come in here uh, via email. One from Bob in Seattle. Uh, he says, hello, you two real estate goddesses. <laughs> I've been... Hello, you two real estate goddesses. That's hilarious. <laughs> I've been rehabbing and flipping homes both here in Seattle and also in Memphis, Tennessee with great success over the past year. In Seattle, I use a staging service to get the house in showroom condition, but in Memphis, the agents don't see a need for staging under uh, staging since the price points are under $150,000. What is your rule of thumb for when to stage and when to not spend the extra money for a stager? And I guess first, Robin, we should explain what staging is. Well, staging is doing towels, uh, potpourri, candles, and even as far as furniture to dress the house up to make it not a house but a home. Um, I agree in the Seattle market that would be necessary because, you know, the prices are very high out there. Uh, you know, they're typically 200 and up. Mm-hmm. In in the other area where like the this. prices are cheaper, where you can buy a seventy thousand or eighty thousand dollar home to live in, you don't need to go full blown staging. What I do in very entry level, low end homes, hundred thousand and under, I'll just do some pretty tiles from Bad Beth and Beyond. Um, I'll do candles, potpourri, cookie jars in the kitchen from Walmart, dish towels to match. You know, so it, it makes it appear more homey. But I'm not going to ever do furniture unless it's a second home vacation area. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go that far. Mm-hmm. And so 
I think you need to take about seven or eight hundred dollars to save your entry level house. Obviously, the more expensive the home, the higher the caliber of buyer, the more you have to do. Uh, what I can tell you, once you get to the point people are going into the higher price ranges, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, you've got to go a lot further than you have to do for entry level. In an entry level house, everything's better than their apartment, so they're not nearly as fussy. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the realtors are giving him the advice that they are. You know, everything's better than their rental, then you don't have to do quite as much for staging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know in some higher end houses and, and condos, even here in the Cincinnati area, uh, they're they're staging them with an entire house full of furniture. I mean, it's not it's, yeah. it's not some towels. And and I've heard that 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 just right. to quote rent that furniture because that's what you're doing uh, can be three yeah. four five thousand dollars in some of these very uh, high oh, yeah. end properties. Well, you know, the highest price house I did was close to three million. Let's just say I spent fifty thousand dollars on the custom drapes to stage. <laughs> and so when you go into luxury homes, it's a whole different ball game. And I don't want anybody to do that without very very much learning the entry-level house market. you got to walk before you run. And so I can tell you when I did my big house, I put in like $75,000 for my oops, and I blew all of that and then some. So and saving was one of the factors that I underestimated. I never thought custom drapes in a 11,000-square-foot mansion would cost me fifty grand, but I learned how quickly uh, that stuff adds up. And so that's why I like to steer students to stay in the entry-level house market because there's, one, a lot more buyers, and two, it's a lot less risk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, if you have a question like uh, Bob did from Seattle, you can give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send it via email just like Bob did by going to askvina.com and filling in the little Ask Vina a question form there. And again, while you're there, if you give us your email address, we'll also make sure that you don't miss any future shows because we'll send you out a reminder every week about uh, what is happening on this week's show. Uh, Here is a question from JC in Las Vegas. And boy, I was expecting something along these lines because um, this topic here is probably the biggest fear of most rehabbers to deal with. Uh, What should I look for in getting a general contractor or lead carpenter who can grow my business and handle multiple projects at once? Are there certain questions that I should ask them and what do I need to find out about them? Oh, that one, Vina, is a stumbling block that I see for many. The first thing people have to understand, there's two types of contractors, what I call the handy hairy And the right way is the mature, grown-up adult, which is what this listener is looking for. For me, I want to make sure that every contractor I have will find an independent contractor agreement. That makes it crystal clear that they're dealing with a professional. Anybody that won't agree to do a project for a fixed price in a fixed time frame with a detailed list of materials, if somebody won't sign on the dotted line that they'll commit to do it for a dollar amount that stays fixed, you're dealing with what I call one of the hackers. And so for me, I look at the supply houses, like the plumbing supply store, the electrical supply house, um, Sherwin-Williams paint store, for the mature grown-up adults, and I'll ask the managers of those stores for people they recommend who've been in business a long time, and when I say long time, that's over seven years, can someone that they know pays their bills to the supply house on a regular basis? 
so that separates the contractors from the ones that are disorganized. Uh, and so that's the first thing. And then I always ask for references, at least three, and I go out and look at those job sites to make sure they did quality workmanship. And then I also make sure the contractor is pulling the permits that are necessary and that they're going to get all the sign-offs from the city to make sure the permits were done and complied to. If somebody hesitates on any of those items, they've told me they're not the person that I want to renovate my house. Mm-hmm. And so typically when you find one or two mature grown-up adults, they will bring you the rest of the team. Um, and they can do that by looking at job sites that go from ugly to pretty quickly. Anytime they see another house that's not theirs, go and be renovated quickly. They should stop and get all the job sites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and sense? yes, and, and 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 that can be a process for sure because uh, even the even the mature adults sometimes you have to let them go after you've even after you've been dealing with them successfully for some time, years on end, uh, they for one. Yep, that <laughs> happens. That's business, I guess, in today's world. Yeah. Uh, but that's why that contract, as you know, is so critical because you get a meeting in the minds before they start. And then you and I are both the same. We only give them a little bit of money to start with, with the biggest amount due after they finish. The number one problem I see most softies do, Vena, is they give them too much money up front and then they're behind the eight ball. The, the contractor's got all the profit up front, not on the back end. And so why would they hurry up and finish if they've already sucked all the profit out of the job? And so for me, when I'm building a relationship with somebody new as a contractor, it's a little bit up front, a little bit in the middle, and the biggest hunk of money on the end. And as long as you never get ahead on money and behind on work, you stay in control of the job site a lot better. Mm-hmm. So true. If I have if I have one more caller to this show who says something like, "Well, here's my problem. I hired this guy to rehab my house, and I gave him ten thousand dollars to start, and I've never seen him again." Um, well, I'm just going to send him to this podcast. <laughs> just... He's in the Caribbean he's on vacation <laughs> on their money, <laughs> or he's he's going to find somebody else who will give him ten thousand dollars up front for, to not to not do any work. Um, question here from Mike in Flint, Michigan. Um, he says. Uh, Robin, are you planning on doing any me- more rehabs in Connecticut? What, which of I think the question is which of the two markets, Connecticut or Orlando, is your better market? And would you do rehabs outside of t- those two areas, particularly out of state uh, in a state you don't live in? Well, for me, you know, my rule of thumb is I won't do any house more than forty-five minutes from where I live. That's just me. I can tell you, anytime I try to rehab long distance, the contractors know it, which gives them grounds to slip and take forever to get it done. And so for me, I know there's desperate sellers in every market, Flint, Michigan being included in that. And so there's people who lose their job, people who get divorced, people who get transferred in every city around the country. So you don't need to go any further than where you live. Uh, I can tell you now that I'm in Florida, I actually am at my horse ranch in Ocala. I'm rehabbing there within a 45-minute radius. I don't need to go the whole way to Connecticut, 1,100 miles, and try to coordinate contractors when I can't see them for sometimes two, three weeks at a time. Uh, and I don't want to waste the time of commuting from Florida to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to be actively involved in my real estate. I need to watch over it and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to, and then also making sure the sales team do what they're supposed to. I just find it's very difficult to do that from afar. There's easier money to be made close at home. I mean, you invest right there in Cincinnati. That's your premium city. You're right there. You know it. You've got the heartbeat and the pulse of what's going on for your city. 
and it works well for you the same way I rehab where I live because I can keep track of what's going on. Mm-hmm. If an area is booming and prices are going up, I know it. If they're going down, I know it. And so when you try to do that from afar, it's, I just don't see it working out well. It's very risky. Mm-hmm. And I have had some students who've lost tens of thousands of dollars by not being in control of their project from being a far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no no, no question. Um, and if, if anybody else has a question, we have, I don't know, three or four more minutes where you might be able to get it in here uh, by going to askvena.com. That, by the way, is A-S-K-V-E-N-A.com. I always forget that people aren't necessarily going to know how to spell Vena. But uh, having said that, Robin, let, let's talk about that that back-end sale process as soon as we take a quick break. The community is invited to the Sycamore Senior Center Job Fair, co-sponsored by WMKV Radio, on Monday, April 4th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The job fair will focus on a variety of options, including part-time, temporary, seasonal, and retiree work as we try to match tri-state workers and companies. There will also be a seminar on maximizing your Internet job search. The event is free and open to the public on Monday, April 4th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Sycamore Senior Center on Carver Woods Drive in Blue Ash. Details and directions are available from Cynthia at 513-686-1013. That's 686-1013. Well, they got the uh, accident off the 275 Combs Hill Bridge. Again, that's eastbound 275 Combs Hill Bridge near Coney. They got it off the uh, bridge itself. It's now on the left shoulder near Kellogg, the Kellogg exit. So traffic's still slow through there, but it should improve. South 75 at the lateral still have the left two lanes blocked with an accident. Still have a uh, disabled motorcycle, a disabled vehicle, on uh, 75 northbound near Shepherd, and that's over on the left shoulder as well. Forecast tonight clear, low of 25. Tomorrow sunny, another nice day, a high of 52 degrees. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today, Robin Thompson. If you like this, wait till you see her tomorrow night at Cincinnati RIA. You can get more information about that meeting at 859-292-7342. Got a question here via email from David in Dallas, Texas that I, David, I'm going to answer it for you, but I'm not going to answer it for the entire audience because we are going to have a show about this later on in the month. And I don't, I don't want to get into a big discussion with this about audience members who want to debate me. The strategy that you're referring to, as far as I have followed it is completely unethical and likely to end in a lawsuit. So if you're thinking about going out and spending the money on that, I'm not sure <laughs> that I would do that. Uh, okay. So Robin, we were, we were talking about uh, the selling process because uh, I mean, there's really, this is this whole rehab thing is a multi-step process, which is, you know, why you spend so much time guiding people through it. Uh, you got to find the deal. You got to finance the deal. You got to fix the deal. And then you got to sell the deal. So right. used to be you could just kind of stick a sign in the yard that said for sale. And like two days later, you'd sell it for more than top price. What's the process now? <laughs> That's not today's world, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so do- the selling process really, Vina, for me, is the best thing you can do is once your house is drop dead gorgeous and you bought in the right neighborhood. Remember, those two steps come first. Once you have a great house in a good neighborhood and it's beautiful inside, the top producing selling realtors 
are who you want to see the property. And see, top producing selling realtors know how to sell on down payments and monthly payments, not price tag. And so what we do is we advertise all you need is $895 down to own this gorgeous little three-bedroom, two-bath with a garage with all these amenities, and you can live there for, and then we make, you know, we determine what the payment is, and we make advertising that has it in there. You can own it for, let's say, $647 per month. Well, see, those two things, how much a month and how much down, answers all the buyer's questions. You know, the realtors advertise the house is 79 Whoa. Okay, she just dropped out and all the lights on the phone system just went on. Is that, is, I think we might have a problem here. Uh, Robin, I don't know if you can still hear me, but we cannot hear you. And uh, we're going to try and fix that, but we'll have to see. There may be, oh, all the lights on the phone system went off, so maybe it works now. Um, okay, we're going to try and get Robin back. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, the the I think what she was... Robin, are you there? Nope. Nope. It kind of sounds like the line's open, but I cannot hear her. If she can hear me. Uh, Robin, if you can hear me, hang up your phone because Mike's about to call you back and try and reconnect with you. Um, yeah, so most realtors advertise properties based on their price and then other numbers, like it's this many square feet and this many bedrooms and it costs you $179,000 to buy it. Uh, what the first-time home buyer is really concerned about is... What do I have to put down and what do I have to uh, do per month? So um, I think we have Robin back if we can hear. No idea where that went. There you are, Robin. <laughs> yeah, we just Hey, have... I don't know where you guys went. Sorry about that. But down payment and monthly payment advertising is the best way to sell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we'll talk about how to do flyers and how to do signs that advertise the down payment and the monthly payment plus all the benefits of home ownership. And that gets the buyers calling in. And so once you learn how to pre-qualify the buyers, you can pick the one with the best credit and the best money down to buy your property. Okay, well, you just made a very interesting statement because the way the way most people, even real estate investors who are selling a lot of houses, do that is they let someone write them a contract oh. and they just tie up the property and let the banker oh. figure out whether or not they're qualified. No, you never sign a contract until you're sure the buyer can buy. And, Dina, you and I know this because we've had buyers who didn't qualify. You want pay stubs and bank statements and tax returns first and a tri-merge credit report to make sure the buyer's qualified to buy before you sign that contract and take your house off the market. Mm -hmm. I do a pretty thorough job of putting the buyer through the ringer to make sure their credit's good enough because I want to make sure that before I take my house off the market so I don't waste a lot of carrying costs for months to find out the buyer cannot do the job and qualify. Do you ever get any kind of objection from either the buyer or his agent that says, wait a minute, why do you need my pay stubs? I have a pre qualification letter. Well, everybody ought to write this down. Pre qualification in my book equals toilet paper. If you ever (laughs) read them, they're pre qualified contingent upon income and asset and credit information. Basically, you don't have a clue if they can qualify. Um, I don't care who, but somebody intelligent who understands the mortgage process must look at those pay stubs and tax returns to make sure they make enough money. Um, if they just interview somebody over the phone who hasn't turned their documentation in, there's no guarantee they really work or that they actually make enough money to buy or that they just didn't go out and buy a big car with a big car payment, which will disqualify them from the mortgage process. Mm-hmm. So someone who's done a lot of mortgages or somebody like myself who's sold over 300 houses, 
needs to really make sure they double-check all the figures first because you know and I know once we sign that contract to take that house off the market for 45 days, we don't get the chance to sell it to somebody else until that 45-day limit runs through. And so I'm not a big fan of paying carrying costs for a long time to find out a buyer fell down and can't close. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Been mm -hmm. there, done that, got the T-shirt and the war wounds. Okay, Ron, we have like one minute left, and I want to ask you one last question. In today's market, 2011, not 2005, what is your goal for day of closing to day the keys are turned over to the buyer? How long is that going to be in today's market? For me, my average Vena is 121 days from the day I buy to the day I sell, providing the house has a garage. If you buy a home without a garage, you can add four months to that number. That's why I'm very picky with what I buy on the front end to make sure I can sell it quickly. Okay, well there was there was a there was a twenty thousand dollar piece of information right there just thrown in at the buzzer about about the garage. So uh, those of you who those of you who are in the greater Cincinnati area, uh Definitely uh, make the time tomorrow night to come out and see Robin speak at the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati meeting. It's 6 o'clock for the early meeting on how to protect yourself in private lending and partnership deals. And Robin will be on at 7.30 sharp. So if you want to see her, be sure and be there by about 7 o'clock. It is guest night, open to the public, CincinnatiREIA.com for more information. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Live the memories and love the memories. My husband liked it very much. He discovered it, and ever since, we both were fans. (laughs) Great news, great music, and well worth spending your time listening to. 89.3 FM, WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Reporter Jeff Hirsch is live in Columbus with what's still ahead. Jeff. Well, good evening. 33 members of the Ohio Senate made the vote today. 17 voted in favor, 16 voted against. But millions of Ohio voters may get the final say on today's political